I hope you're doing well. Today is October 22nd, 2020, so happy Scorpio season. Um, today I wanted to do a little bit of, I guess, an audio recording of the piece that I wrote. Normally, I would do a separate rambling voice clip thing, but I thought it'd be fun to like record myself reading what I wrote just because it is a longer piece. And I also follow Haley Nauman on Substack, and she does the thing where she provides um, audio readings of each of her newsletters every week, and that's just a more accessible way for people to consume content. It's also, some of my friends don't want to read my long things, so this will be good. Um, and just a little heads up that I'm going to try to not post multiple times a week because I know this goes into your emails a lot. And I want to be mindful of that, but this week I just had a lot to say and think and process. So there's that. Hopefully this turns out well. So yeah, this is me reading On Loneliness. At the beginning of this pandemic, I started reading Olivia Lang's The Lonely City in an attempt to make sense of and hopefully alleviate this horrible feeling of loneliness and emptiness that I was experiencing. I didn't get very far into the book, but in reading just a few pages and passages, I came to understand quite quickly that this loneliness I was feeling existed long before our city went into lockdown. I'd been feeling lonely for months now, maybe even more than half a year actually, long before the chaos of March began to unravel itself. Sometimes I use November 2019 as the beginning bracket of the strange period of loneliness, existentialism, and the painful self-work that comes with it. November seems easy to use as a benchmark because that's when Scotty and I broke up, and I like how there's something tragically romantic about using a breakup as a pivotal moment in one's journey and growth. But in all honesty, the sense of loneliness and confusion probably began long before that, in the spring of 2019 perhaps. At this point, though, dates don't really matter. What matters, rather, is acknowledging that I've been feeling and struggling with loneliness and emptiness for quite some time now. The loneliest I felt before this pandemic was all of December through February, even if it didn't always look like it. I was almost always running around or with someone else. I was drunk three to four nights a week again. I was spending most days and nights in cafes and bars inhabited by the various men that I was interested in, or the ones who showed interest in me. To be honest, it was all shallow and I knew that, but I desperately wanted to feel something other than what I was feeling at my core. I didn't want to touch that loneliness and emptiness. In strange ways, it felt good to juggle so many love interests, hobbies, social commitments, and deadlines. It felt like I was living into some narrative of myself, the girl that is untethered in some way, the very false and problematic narrative of the cool girl, the one who flirts effortlessly and drinks excessively and is busy and is unaffected by this shameful thing called loneliness. The thing about overworking yourself, or running away from yourself rather, is that it catches up with you. It starts off as feeling subtle anxiety and moments of silence, and eventually leads to feelings of hollowness and loneliness even in the presence of another. And the further and longer you run from yourself, the scarier you become. The image of you becomes distorted. You start looking unrecognizable to yourself, and the only pieces of you that you can get glimpses of are the parts that are the most afraid, hurt, and desperate. 
and they're always much bigger, scarier, and more all-encompassing than you remembered. The further and longer you run from yourself, the harder it is to stop. This way of existing becomes autopilot. It caught up with me one day in the middle of February, just before I was going to eat dinner with Michelle. I don't remember exactly how I got there, but all I remember is laying in fetal position alone on the cold marble floor of Wyatt's bathroom, bawling and wailing and gasping for air. It was brutally painful and seemingly unending, but I think a small part of me felt relief. Because as much as it hurt, I knew that for the first time in months, I was finally honest with myself. I didn't have to keep running or hiding anymore. I could finally admit that I felt lonely and empty and that everything hurt. It'd be great if I could tell you that I've figured it out, that I've somehow learned to manage my loneliness or even alleviate it since the pandemic started, but that'd be a great lie. Truthfully, for months now, and even until recently, I continued to run and hide from myself. I thought this avoidance had so-called gone away, but in actuality, it just looked different than it did prior to the pandemic. This avoidance came to look like talking to way too many shitty men on Tinder, like sexting men who made me feel disgusting just to feel something else. It looked like being glued to my phone or trying to find ways to secure the rest of my quarantine to avoid being by myself. Who is I going to see every day? Who can promise their time and energy to me so that I can avoid all these terrible feelings? It also looked like staying in a relationship for longer than I knew I could because I was so afraid of the alternative. It looked like sitting around and wallowing in my own pity, waiting for someone to save me. At this point, though, I want to acknowledge that facing yourself is hard. It's painful and arduous to meet the parts of yourself that feel so alone and purposeless. It's in no way a short-term or an easy task. And especially during a global pandemic, where our central nervous systems are unregulated and we're in panic mode constantly, it's okay to find solace in the things that you find solace in. I want to mention this because it's easy to place judgment on ourselves and say that something is healthy or unhealthy and use that as an indicator of how worthy we are. But none of that's true. We're all trying our best, and it's important that we be gentle with ourselves in the ways that we can. And I mentioned the examples above not to shame myself, but rather to acknowledge the coping mechanisms and ways of being that no longer serve me, that now actually do more harm than good for me. Being kind to myself right now means recognizing the ways I'm hurting myself understanding that I was just trying to protect myself in the best ways I knew how at the time and trying to find ways to show up a little differently now. These days, as I'm reflecting and having profound revelations, I'm also breaking down a lot. I'm crying for hours a day and touching old wounds that have existed for so long that they feel etched into my bones. I'm grieving all the ways I had to be to avoid feeling lonely to avoid touching all the messy, ugly, and existential feelings that accompany loneliness that I've been avoiding for so long. I'm grieving all the futures I thought I'd have, ones in which loneliness was only an illusion or temporary, rather than a natural part of our human existence. It's exhausting, and often I scream and tell my friends that I would rather not exist because healing and facing myself is such hard work. I hate how loneliness will never just go away, I hate that I can no longer convince myself to run to someone else to fix my loneliness. I still cry when I feel lonely, but at least now I try to face myself while I'm in it. I try to turn towards myself a bit more and comfort the parts of me that feel so terribly alone. 
I still called my friends to help me walk through this pain, but now I wait a few minutes or even 30 before I do so. I let myself sit with this terrifying feeling first to familiarize myself with its curves and edges. I let myself feel the aching in my chest and sobbed into my pillows and remind myself to breathe. In little ways, I'm trusting myself a bit more to navigate these difficult feelings and experiences. And that small piece of self-efficacy and trust that I'm building makes being alive so much more abundant, fulfilling, and possible. At least, that's what I believe and hope to be true. Okay, that's it in terms of the written portion. And I started doing a quick thing um, that some of my favorite newsletters do, which is making a quick list of links and things that I consumed this week. So I'm just going to quickly go through it. Um, and they're all really fun, so if you want to check it out, you can. Um, but the first two are um, content from Mimi Zhu's May newsletter um, entitled Choosing Abundance and Loneliness. And they talk about their own experience with loneliness and in turn abundance. And they have a really cool playlist too called To Love and Be Loved in Return. Sort of like jazzy and really cool. So I really like that. Um, the third thing is Light Upon the Lake by Whitney, the album from 2016. It's just really nice to come back to something um, that is kind of sentimental and nostalgic. Um, the fourth is a very stupid screenshot of a tweet that Brenda sent me. And it literally just says, in gray text, when you get here, you're all mine, devil emoji. And then in blue, not if I shit myself on the way. And then in gray, why would you say that? That's just fucking hilarious. It's just so stupid. And then the last one is a scan from Laura Mathis's zine called Nurture Your Loneliness. It is a long scan, so I won't read it, but it's a really good scene and you should check it out. But anyways, um, thank you for listening, and I love you dearly. I hope you're taking good care of yourself, and I'm just a call away if you ever need me. Rest well and give yourself a hug for me, and I will talk to you super soon. All right, bye.